Uh, welcome from the Rookery End. Uh, we, we stand, Michael, yes. outside Vicarage Road, the Hornet Shop, after Watford 2, uh, Burnley 1. It was a win. We, we're getting used to this now, two in a row. Uh, we're joined uh, uh, this week by Andy. Andy, this um, it was a win, but you, you seem, um, you, you weren't comfortable. God, no. <laughs> Goodness gracious me, that was one of the most uncomfortable games I've experienced, I think. I think credit to Burnley, they, they played well, but I can't help but feel we made hard work of that. Further on from the <laughs> Arsenal game, was it the Mike, was it the sort of reaction you wanted? Yeah, because it's three points. That's all that matters. You look at the table, we're on 30 points, 10 points clear of a relegation. Not exactly looking up instead of down, but yeah, I think you just, we just had to win. A game against Burnley at home is always going to be tricky, and people always get laughed at when they say it's difficult to play against 10 men, but it is. Um, Burnley turned in the sort of uh, performance that we are used to seeing from Watford, a bit of a rearguard action, and they, they dug in and stayed organised and, and stayed in the game, which you've got to give them credit for. Um, I think Andy's right, the second half was uncomfortable and most, but most of it was down to poor decision making from Watford. I think we invited a little bit too much pressure. Gomez didn't really have, he managed to make a couple of, good, a, a couple of saves but didn't have a, a, a stack to do. And if you, if you look at the other end, Tom Heaton's amazing save from, from oh, Troy yes. Deeney where it could have been 3-1. And then I think Troy was unlucky to be called for handball to, to not make it 3-1 right at the death. So I think the neutral will probably say that Watford it was probably more comfortable for Watford than we feel as, as supportors. But yeah, you did think that 2-0 uh, and, and Burnley down to 10 men with, with Nyang looking good and, uh, and Zerati, who I was massively impressed with. I thought he, he turned in a good, good debut. He thought, right, this could be, we could have some fun here. But ultimately, three points, that's all I care about. We can watch match today again. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've... Uh, I've it's been on my, uh, my TV box, but I haven't had the, the guts necessarily to watch it. <laughs> well, you mentioned a few of the, of the players there um, that we, they made the home debuts. Your first time you saw uh, Niang uh, today, uh, Andy, it, straight away, there was a point on, on, on Tuesday at Arsenal where we knew Igalo was going and he was sort of still playing the same position that Igalo had been filling this year. But you go, that's, that's a much better player for that position. And it's maybe not 10 times better, but it's someone who's playing the game with confidence. And as David Levy said the other day, he's a player. Yeah, I think, I think he's something different. I think, that, I think that's what he is. Uh, what, what I expected from him, to be honest, would be, would be playing a bit wider. And he seemed to come in quite a lot in the first half, certainly. And he was yeah, quiet second half, actually, apart from... Another really, really good ball in um, for for the save that Mike mentioned, um, but yeah, no, he looks like a good player, and I think he's only going to get better. You know, he's only been here well five minutes really, and played two games and put in two decent performances. Got his first goal, which is a success style header. Yeah. Um, well, no, no, I think they, they are my favourite sort of headers. Those where he knew. Well, there's two things about him. Uh, he knew he knows where the goal is, and I think he knows where every player is. It's that sort of really decisive forward doing pass where he needs to go. But that sort of header, I love. They're my favourite sort of headers. It's not what, the one what, there. The it, it was. The the yeah, 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 no, no, yeah, no. Right. But, but but better than a. You know, yeah, it's, it's the sort of it's coming in and he uses the pace of it or that ball perfectly to put the exact amount on it, it, it feels well thought out perfect what we've seen from the two home debutants is something that we we have really missed and that is you know Zerati cutting inside having a pop people haven't take, taken a shot and it was the same on Tuesday with Kabul having that having a shot from outside we haven't been shooting from outside the area since Pereira scored against um, Leicester and it makes things happen and and you can see you know that pushes the the uh, opposition back 
and you know it's more exciting for us um, and so I think two good performances Niang looks good Zerati again was quiet in the second half I think but I think there's plenty to see from both of them I don't, I don't think we ought to underplay the goal. I think it was an absolute thing of beauty, the, the second goal. A lovely, lovely ball in from Holobasson. He, to be fair, he had a couple of sighters down that left side. He'd, perfect ball in, met perfectly. And it's a difficult skill, that, to, to get it to sort of glance off your head and it nestled in that bottom right-hand corner. So as it, I know exactly what it means when you say that. A really, really good-looking goal. Um, but I just think... Um, just the way Niang sort of, he just adds much, much more to the game. He, 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 he drives forward with the ball, he's quick and skillful, but he's not afraid to pass it either if he feels that's the most appropriate thing to do. He just wants to get the ball moving. He wants some more forward momentum from Watford and he, and he generated that today. But his first, his first touch is towards the goal. That's what just, that's, I mean, maybe that's what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you see. If you see the top teams, they're full of players who can take the ball and, and turn something on straight away, make something happen, ask questions of the opposition. And he, you know, let's not get to go overboard we've been here before but two two superb performances and he just offers us so much so much more he, he looks confident I think he's got a point to prove he, the people have around the around the sort of Europe certainly have, uh, he's been a name on a lot of people's lips for a lot of years so he, he'd like to, to make an impact in the Premier League and Zerati I have to say I was I was very very impressed with the work rate he put in the, the order if you talk to West Ham supporters or or people who have watched him over the last couple of years you say a good player there struggles to get involved in games if things aren't going his way and not and quite selfish. Well, I thought I saw a selfless performance there. He, he worked hard to, to, to get the ball. He got involved, uh, and he was he got rid of the ball when when it was appropriate. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Watford. We said a couple of weeks ago, it feels like Troy Deeney's got his mojo back. It feels like Watford have now got their mojo back after two months of really, like, as Andy said, um, not not providing any attacking threat, uh, any any forward momentum. Or, and for us, really, any enjoyment as supporters, it's, it's flipped on its head. It ended up being quite a tough, tough watch in the end today. But, yeah, it's, it's great stuff for Watford. What a superb week. It's three, three and three for, for Troy in terms of uh, league matches, you know, since he broke his 100 duck. Duck? No, that's the wrong word. <laughs> since, he, since he passed 100 goals, whatever. Uh, you know, he got over that hump, let's say. Uh, he, he's sort of gone on and gone on. Uh, and and it, it's good. It feels like Troy. Exactly. Whatever. <laughs> Animals here on from the Rooker end. Uh, it's it, it just really feels like he's back um, to, to the, the headspace that he needs. I'm back. Yeah. Uh, can I get Otter, Otter in? Maybe not. Oh. It just left. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the but I am going to say though that the, the most still the, the player I think who is and he got man of the match. The player I think who is the best signing we've got because. He's, all, he's doing what Barami does, but a little bit further forward. And so that, therefore, that midfield is cleverly. He, it feels like, yeah, we, we talked to Mike, you know, you were highly critical of the Watford's midfield after the, uh, after the Tottenham game. And we know at that point Barami wasn't fully fit, and I still don't think he is. The fact that he's being substituted uh, doesn't feel like he's, he's still probably being managed a little bit, maybe. Yeah, um, but cleverly is filling that role and filling that space and making it the midfield that you want it to be. Yeah, he's compact, he's neat, he's strong, um, and he's another one who's who's happy to go forward and to then to start things going for Watford to make make things make things moving. And I think he, uh, combined with the others, makes it a very very good January transfer window for Watford so far. Yeah, so far, yeah. there's only two games in. But yeah, I have to agree. I think he. It, the Watford sort of reversal in fortunes, if you like, has, has coincided certainly with with Cleverly. Bournemouth away was by no means a, a perfect performance and wasn't on anywhere near what we saw at Arsenal or against Burnley but he played well there as well so I think that's that's three out of three really as far as I'm concerned with, with Cleverley and he's another one with with a point to prove and 
perhaps we're seeing you know people are hungry to hungry to perform, hungry, hungry to make a mark in the Premier League, and we've given that up, them that opportunity, and and there's slots that we needed filling. So um, it's just win-win so far for both parties. But yeah, I agree cleverly, and the, and the supporters have taken to him. He's obviously someone that we recognise from his previous stint. He won one Player of the Year, so he's we've got that little Watford connection with him already. So he's an easy one to to love, an easy one to support, an easy one to get behind. But he's he's making it very very easy for us to support. He very rarely loses the ball. He battles hard as well. He's a tough tough little nut, and um, yeah, I think he's so far looking like a, like another really good signing. The, the worry today was Holabas. Um, you know, he the, that temperament he has, the enigma that he is. Uh, got his early yellow card. Um, were you worried that? Yeah, brilliant. It was, it was a massive cheer from the rookery as uh, the, the red card went to, to Burnley. But did you think, Andy, that he was he was just going to be next? I like Holobus. I've got to say that yeah. I like him. I like him, and I like. Him. I, I think. I think as fans, we should be relating to him more than we perhaps do because he hates losing. <laughs> he really hates losing and you can see that and I think that comes across in that sort of stroppy way but stroppy never <laughs> um, but I don't think it was a yellow card I, can't, I still can't get my head around this this high foot when Barton's dipping his head yeah, moving did. into the it, but by the by yes I, I said to um, the, the lad I was sitting with uh, there's going to be another red in this and I think Burnley played to it as well they went down Ashley Barnes I mean <laughs> I, if he goes shopping with his missus tomorrow I hope not many people brush past him because he'll be on the floor the whole time I did think there was another red in it especially after Niang's foot yellow card which again I don't think I thought it wasn't a yellow card but Holabas I think he I think he I think he did alright I think he did alright but that first the first half I think he'd a much calmer focused together the second half but there was a point in that first time I thought he wasn't wasn't going to be uh, staying on that pitch. It's funny but the Burnley fans kept taunting him, calling a soft southern, <laughs> and I thought of all the people to call a soft a southern softy, uh, I think uh, South American, <laughs> yes, and you don't get many softies there. So that, uh, yeah, that did that did make me chuckle. But I thought he walked the tightrope, and you're right, it is a tightrope for Holabas because he. You know, uh, uh, the red mist is never far away, but I think that's great. I think that's what makes him the player he is. Um, I think he did very well to to do it. He got forward um, in the second half as well. He did well, and he found himself in in decent positions. Well, the two green boot boys, him and Zarati, going down the uh, the left hand side. Yeah, that looked really. They they definitely sort of came together a little bit more. A little um, ra- little random shout out as well because I noticed he had some flash boots on, which which surprised me. But for Craig Cathcart as well. Oh, how how brilliant is in Craig Cathcart on the other side, the other half? That's amazing. And, and he did well and uh, in, uh, he, he found himself sort of marauding forward and he found himself in a good position and instead of trying to cross it or beat a man he played a sensible ball in very cool very calm very collected and we've seen Craig Cath- the best of Craig Cathcart before and when, he, when he's on his game he's, he's, a, he's a real real nice footballer and I think he, he looked good again today and uh, yeah it's good to see Craig Cathcart back looking confident and, yeah. and composed and yeah it's just all, all clicking nicely it just, it just, it just felt Bell's much better. Yeah, because right back isn't necessarily where you'd say his his preferred position. Definitely. And and uh, on Tuesday, Iwobi was literally all over him, and he wasn't having a great time down there. Thank God that Arsene Wenger thought the best thing to do was to move <laughs> Iwobi to the middle. Don't quite get why he did that, Arsene. Uh, but it, I think it certainly helped at Craig. And um, you know, it, it, it does look like that. You know, as, as a, a centre back in this club, you need to have a bit more to yourself than just being a centre back. Um, but the four at the back just feels so much more comfortable doesn't it it does but I think it's, it's coincided with that 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 extra those new signings coming in I don't think just slotting four at the back 
in the midst of our previous poor run would have necessarily made much of a change because there was that there just wasn't that. So I think it's the combination of switching to four at the black, getting that solid base, and then it allows our, our players who can get forward to get forward without without worrying so much. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it was a it was a good choice, a good decision, um, and it's allowed that, those creative players to, to flex their creative muscle a little bit more. The four at the back for me just makes it feel like the 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 the, you know, the, the two you know wing backs are you know that anybody ahead of the four are thinking forward you know even though there's five in the midfield when you play three at the back you there's there's half a thought of well I've still got to defend and when you play four at the back it's the freedom that anyone in midfield and anyone up front they're just thinking forward and when I saw the team today that's that, that, you know, you, you tweeted it, Mark. You know, it, it's the there's go, you know, it's it's forward thinking. It's it's the goals we're, we're hopefully going to come. I can't think of a, I can't think why you'd go back to to three no, at the back. No, but and, and what I liked it about today and and in particular Arsenal, but but perhaps a bit more today was that players seemed to know what they were doing. When someone did get forward, someone came across to cover, and you could see that it was all. It was all sort of slot A into tab A into slot B, and as it should be, with you know, it, it felt it felt like they understood their roles, each and every one of them, and we we weren't leaving big gaps anywhere, and it looked organised for the first time, but organised with purpose. Um, so yeah, I think that the change in formation has has served us well. I think the the change in formation has been um, certainly made easier and more effective by the new net by the new players coming in. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't want to switch back at the, as it stands, would you, from that? Don't think so. I mean, I'm glad you lot saw that because I was looking through it through my hands <laughs> on my face, I was wincing. So I didn't. That's I the didn't that's, see that. <laughs> that's, that's I think that's still sometimes that's a hard thing to do as a Watford fan, having gone through the last two months. You can't watch a game with absolute 100% calmness. There was a thing on Tuesday where we were two nil up, but you knew that may, maybe at some point they're going to come back and, oh, well, wasn't it lovely? You said, half-time, Mike, I'm waiting for 5-2. You know, and, and you know that was going to come, and today was different, um, but because there is that, that what, it's going to take a long time to get over those, those eight weeks you know, between, between, between you know, Everton weeks. at home. It's a lifetime of watching Watford. <laughs> we've, we've seen it far too many times, and, I, and in Venice, and I don't think there's many football supporters who, uh, unless they're inebriated, will be, be confident in their side seeing it, seeing it over the line. It's just that, uh, and he's right. It's difficult. We did, and we, we've been very positive so far in the, in the pod. But I think it's important to say we did perhaps invite a little bit too much pressure on ourselves in in the second half. Certainly after the after the goal, I don't, the, the the handball was was a bit daft. I think I don't know if he could have got out of the way a bit more or whatever. But a couple of bad decisions sort of just just crept in and. We did. I think the Burnley's best hope was a mistake from us. I think that has been the story for Burnley all season away from home. They haven't really threatened much. But yeah, I think if we're going to be critical, and I think you know we we, we need to be, we don't want to get carried away. Um, I just think too many sort of slight mistakes in, in that, that allowed Burnley back into it. Um, Jan Matt, for example, late, late in the second half was 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 got had got forward and Cathcart was out of position at, at right back and they, it allowed them a big old gap down the left and and that was the first time really that that it could have gone gone wrong, um, but if they'd have scored from it to all that is a big 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 problem that's a that's that's a real that's thrown two points away from from an incredibly strong position so. Not perfect by any means. There's still still work to be done, um, and they still need to stay switched on for for 90 plus minutes. But uh, yeah, so slightly frustrating. Like I think Andy's right to point out, it was it was a difficult watch. Um, but it's it's a, it's a step in the right direction in terms of development of the team. You know, even though Tuesday was amazing at Arsenal, we sort of need to ignore it because of what is our norm 
that's a very different game and, and the, the mindset will be very different going to it and, and this felt like a normal game and it felt like we did the right things and we're developing in our normal games I don't think we should ignore it I mean we beat no. Arsenal at, at the Emirates no, I think that, that, that you know it's a great achievement but um, um, yeah we've got to we've got to push on we've got to push on from this and it's, it's three big points it was hard to watch <laughs> But it's it's the result that everybody sees at the end of it, and we get the three points, and we move up to what ninth, tenth is it? Tenth, tenth, top tenth. top half, Andy. We're top um, half of the Premier so, League. So that's a bit of a comfort blanket where we can just go. Hang on a minute, we'll um, we can we can look forward again to next the next thing. And injuries coming back. You know, it's lovely to have a success come off the bench. Furniang, who's a new signing. You know, and, and it all feels like it is going to come together. I don't think it was a perfect performance today at all against ten men. Um, it was it was a bit of a struggle, but we got the three points, and that 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 is all that matters really. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We've already talked about the the new signings and how the transfer window for Watford in terms of coming in has been a. a uh, I, I can't do it because I want to say success, but it, it, he's a different player. It's been really good for Watford. I caught up with uh, Adam Leventhal from Sky Sports, who is the, the man at the training ground, uh, keeping us up to date uh, with everything that's going on on transfer window. Uh, closing day, deadline day, um, and I got with him this week uh, to talk about the, the day he had last Tuesday. I thought ahead and I um, stayed overnight in a hotel which is just round the corner from Watford's training ground. So I was able to sleep in slightly later than I would have done if I'd had to leave from my home down in, in southwest London. So I got up around six o'clock, managed to squeeze in a bit of breakfast, and then I was at the training ground at seven o'clock, bright and early, raring to go. It all started there. Did it, but does it really start there, or is it... You've, you've done a fair few of them now. Do, you know, have, have they all been different in terms of how quickly they've become active for for Watford? Well, I think what happens is the night before, you know what the agenda of the next day is going to be pretty much. So we knew that there was a strong link with Tim Krull coming in potentially as a a backup keeper. We knew that there was going to be a medical for Igalo. We knew that Adeline Guediora was going to be on his way. At that stage, only Hull were interested. And then we knew that Jerome Sinclair was going out as well. And at that point, that was pretty much what was going to be happening. So the night before. So then in the morning, you're just sort of waiting for the various different sources that you have to either, you know, wake up or to arrive at the training ground or to, you know, start doing their business further afield in, you know, Tim Krull's side of things. So you're already building up towards it. And I think for for the viewers of Sky Sports News at that point, you're you're setting the agenda for them as well because people will be going to work at seven, eight o'clock in the morning. For them to be able to check in and go, right, I'm interested in what, what what's happening at Watford. I know that Adam's there. He knows what's going on. He's a Watford supporter. I'm able to just give them updates via, you know, Twitter. I was doing Periscope as well. And then obviously on screen for our updates every every hour or every other hour or when something happens. So it does start that early, I think. Compared to the other deadline days, though, was this a busier one or was it the is it the normal sort of January transfer window deadline day? No, I think it was completely different because they'd almost had to plan for deadline day the day before. 
because it was just ridiculous that there was games going on on the same day as deadline day. I think it made it very difficult for clubs to really do anything significant apart from maybe securing outgoings. And that's what what Watford's focus was on, basically. If they could rubber stamp the Agalo deal, then brilliant. If there were any fringe players that they felt they could either farm out on loan or they needed to to move on, then they could do that because those players would be separate from the squad that had already stayed overnight in central London ahead of the Arsenal game. So it was always going to be slightly diluted, I think. That was just the way it was going to be simply because of the, the date in the diary that they'd chosen to have the games on, I think. Yeah, you, you, you work at Sky Sports... Uh, have them for for a long, long time. And uh, do, you, do you ever get sort of you know? I know that you completely understand why it is the way it is. But do you ever think? Does it ever frustrate you a little bit? Like because it seems to be like the, the result of the night against Arsenal. It wasn't mm. how Watford have done, have improved and stepped up. It was more like Arsenal's failures. Does it ever annoy, you know, not to say annoy you to, but just like going ah, oh, but come on, just a little bit more Watford ever? Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. I agree because there is so much focus on the the bigger teams, that when they drop points, and that is the saying I hate, actually, drop points. Because I think that's just, I think that's disrespectful. I think we need to outlaw the saying <laughs> dropping points. Yeah. Because you don't have the points in the first place, so you can't drop the points. Well, no, you, do, you, do, you, you do have one point. Every team starts the game with one point. So you, Fine. it's not dropping okay. three points. I agree with, no, yeah, you can't drop three points. You can so drop, you can't drop two, you can't drop points. No. Well, no, if you lose, you do. You drop a point. Okay, yeah, but you, you don't drop three so points. Fine. I, I, I just don't like it. Okay. I, I just don't <laughs> like it when it's, when, it's, when it's assumed that a big team is always going to beat a little team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the phrase dropping points, it's so sort of just disrespectful, I think, to, yeah. to, the, uh, to the smaller side. So in that sense, your point being, yes, I think more focus should have been put on the Watford performance, However, I don't think anyone was expecting that Watford performance. So we weren't coming into it in great form. And I think the focus was bound to be on Arsenal underperforming because we weren't expected to win. And they should, really, Arsenal, they should have won. But they didn't, which was amazing. It was, and it was amazing to be there. You were listening uh, and probably uh, trying to get coverage from the the training ground uh, that night. Well, interestingly, I was watching in the training ground complex because on the night we were on air on Sky Sports News up until 7pm and then there was a soccer special obviously because it was a match night so there was all the games going on Jeff and his guests that took the focus on on the channel we could obviously update via Twitter and things like that so I put out the Agalo transcript which I transcribed and stuff so you know people could understand the interview that I'd done and people could hear from him whilst the games were going on. But essentially, we were sort of redundant during 7 until 10. So I was able to go in, watch the game with basically the, the hierarchy at the club, had a lovely dinner. Um, <laughs> I had scallops to start. Then I had steak for my main course, and then I had a cheesecake. I was off <laughs> wow. the It was amazing. It was, they've got an amazing chef there at the training ground, like high-end dining. I was offered wine. I declined because I thought, well, I'm going to have to do lives later on. <laughs> Um, But I watched the game with everyone there. It was just, it was a surreal experience because everyone there was thinking, right, we're here because we need to tie up these last little few, few deals. But then watching this amazing, amazing performance on the screen, thinking, why on earth are we not at the ground? And then they all started getting superstitious and thinking, well, hang on a minute, maybe we, maybe we never go to a game again. 
Um, <laughs> so it was a great night. I was I was glad I was able to watch it properly, all but not being at the game. You know, you've seen lots of deals you know, on deadline days in the last couple of years. Um, the Gala deal is the biggest deal I think the club have ever done. Yeah, it is the mm. biggest deal the club have ever done, either in mm. or out. You, yeah, you saw him on the day. Um, and they, and we we talked on the last podcast how actually it's been it's, it's it's massively disrespectful how people have sort of been oh thank goodness for that he's off you know maybe mm. just the, the Twitter uh, Twitter RT how, how was he you know you, you interviewed him um, you sort of saw the way he was around the ground around the training ground how do you sort of what what kind of feelings do you think that Gala had on that his last day as a Watford player he was very emotional in the interview because although it was uh, it was a big deal and he was going to be earning a lot of money he was sad that it hadn't worked out also when he wasn't around his his teammates saying goodbye and he didn't really have that opportunity to to properly properly say goodbye on the day when he was leaving um i'm sure he's going to have that opportunity before he leaves cuz the chinese um super league isn't sort of in full full flow at the moment and they're going out for a pre-season tour and all this sort of stuff so i'm sure he will get that opportunity but you know, the deal's done. He signed the contracts. It's raining. It's miserable. All his teammates are off at the Emirates and he's alone at the training ground. And um, speaking to him, it was confirmation, really, for me, rather than a shock, that he really cares. He wanted to be successful. He wanted to be scoring goals. At no point did he think, I'm going to walk out on the field and deliberately miss this opportunity that has been handed to me and I think that when I was stood talking to him he's just a you know he's a human being and I could see him getting choked up as he was speaking answering his first answer because it was probably the first time anyone had asked him you know what are your emotions at this time the fixation had been on you know getting a medical done signing the contract how much you're going to be earning a year what are the add-ons and blah 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 all this clinical information and he's an emotional guy so yeah I thought it was it was it was it was sad, but then I, I did make sure, and I can pass this on to all Watford fans, that we did the interview, we we left the, the little media bit where we'd done the interview, walked out, and then he was walking off, getting into his car, and I said, look, I've got to get a picture. So I don't normally do that, but I thought, right, I'm going to get a picture, you're going to China, I may well never ever see you again. And then I said, you should be very, very proud of what you did achieve at Watford. And he did, he, he listened to that, and he heard it, and I thought it was important to say on on behalf of the right-thinking Watford fans that are out there rather than the um, the trolls. It's always quite hard to know in the modern day, Mike, who to trust, who to know that that might be a possibility because we are now surrounded by agents who are saying this and saying that. And I said for ages, you know, the whole thing about uh, Igalo going to China, I was, all right, there's interest from China. All right, let's, hit, let's, let's see some interest. And I was always not going to believe it Adam is, has been quite good over the last couple of weeks about knowing what, what really could happen. Yeah, I think the nice thing about Adam is that, that most people know he's a Watford supporter and he's not going to, uh, not going to sensationalise any stories if, uh, if he can help it. And yeah, you know that you're going to get some, some decent intel from, from Adam. So uh, yeah, it's uh, fascinating to hear from him there on, on Daily Night. I think it was a quiet one. Nothing happened that we, uh, that we didn't really expect. Um, and as we, as we said earlier, I think it's looking like um, it's been a fantastic January for Watford. Uh, is it 13 or 14 games we've got left? There's Isaac's success. Uh, sorry. He's got a bit starstruck there. Isaac's <laughs> success walked past. Not sure about that. Anyway, we're 10th. Who cares? Um, uh, play 24. So how many left then? 14 games left of the season. 
Um, oh, there comes Watford coach. Uh, let's have a think about what we want the rest of the season to be. Yes, Mike, yeah, I'm going to preempt you because you're going to just come out and say, all I care about is 40 points. All right, all right got it, got it. I go to the Ipswich. But let's, let's talk about what you want out of the season because we could be, we could be in, in 40 points in about a month, let's say, on a good run. But what actually does this Watford team need to do for the rest of this year to know that when we go into next year, that once we've got past 40 points, that we are in a better position than we were last year. Because the weird thing about last year, of course, was we got to the season and there was like, a, well, who knows what's going to happen because we knew uh, Kike's off. So it was almost start to what, what do this team do you think need to do between now and the end of the season? All I care about is 40 points. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to continue developing, I think they just need to continue to look um, like a decent footballing team. I think the big, the big thing that Watford have got is if we can stay in the division, and it's a big jump from talking now to how we were talking sort of post Millwall and, uh, and, and, uh, and some of the other games. But what we want to be doing is this the football club needs to be moving forward in terms of its size and its stature so that perhaps next in the next transfer window, we're able to attract... Um, an, an additional sort of swathe of players who are going to continue to, to, to grow and, and expand Watford as a, as a club and to, to make sure that we don't have these little little dips, these sort of four or five week, six week um, troughs where, we're, where we're, um, we're looking really bad. So I think we've got a, the thing that the, the Pozzo family will want to do is to make Watford a better proposition and that's now what the target has to be. I think Definitely 40 points. We still need to get to 40 points. There's some crazy, crazy results going on at the at the bottom. People are picking up points left, right, and centre, and then people are dropping. It's a it's an incredible, incredible shake-up down there. So I don't think we ought to take our eyes off the bottom just yet. No, no. I, I think we absolutely do need to get to 40 points. The quicker we do it, the better. Um, but it's very, very hard not to be positive. It's very hard now not to be looking forward. Isn't it funny? I've just all it takes is a week. <laughs> but seeing some of those guys come in, if we can keep them fit, if we can keep them at that level of performance. Um, and perhaps get some, you know, for the rest of the season, some of the five, six, six out of tens, go playing seven and eight, you know, Etienne Capoue, absolute barnstorming performance against Arsenal. Let's see more of that from him. Um, let's get the defence locked down and, and not invite pressure like we did today against Burnley. We want to be in a situation where if a team's down to 10 men and we're 2-0 up, we win that game 3 or 4-0 um, uh, and everyone can have a cigar on for the last 20 minutes, not, not, not biting their nails and giving my poor brother a, a heart attack, a stroke and, uh, and uh, the early onset of gout. Um, so... Early, I've had for years. <laughs> a re-emergence. Re- re- I was trying to do you a favour there. So yeah, I think yeah, I just uh, want you just want to see this team continue to develop. We've we've said all along that there is there's talent in it. There's talent in this squad, and it's possibly the best ever group of players to to, to grace Vicarage Road. And let's sort of have a run of games where we we see that. And all too often this season, we've had good game, bad game, good game, average game average game but you know we've never yeah. really had a, had a really had a really solid run um, so I think in, in, in the what I'd like is sort of to see three wins on the bounce something like that I think that would be a real real Philip and, and just give everyone that, that sort of swagger back and just make us sort of real really believe that we are a, a Premier League football team but a Premier League football team who can go places and we're going to go to a place next week, Andy, for Michael's third win on the trot um, which is going to be Manchester United um, the feeling I have is, you know, when we play the big teams, it, it feels like that when we played them here, our boys went, yeah, let's do it, let's go for it, um, with a little bit of freedom. And whenever we play these big t- big teams, it feels like a, a free hit. 
Um, we didn't take that free hit against Liverpool. We absolutely capitulated. They scored lots of goals. Um, we definitely didn't against Tottenham. We did against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, that's the the free hit was there, and they went for it. And even if they went two 0 up, and like I say, even if they went two 0 up, and we, we lost five two, then it wouldn't necessarily be um, uh, unthinkable. Is it a free hit against the current Manchester United? Do you think? And and can can we take a free hit? Yeah, I mean, I think I think going away at Man United <clears throat> for Watford for a little while, yeah, is going to be a game we're not expected to win or really get anything out of. But I don't see why not. Been to the Emirates on Tuesday, <laughs> two days after, um, literally, the oh, I can't even say it against Millwall. Um, so I think I think we can do it, but we've got to go in with that confidence, and we can't go in with this sort of timid attitude um, of, of of trying to get a draw or something like that. I think I think with the players we've got, we've got to, we've got to attack them. You know, if we play anything like we did against them at home, we've got a chance. Um, and you know, why not? Why not? Do you know what? I think we need to sort of move away from this this free hit thing as well, because I think that's a bit. Small, small time mentality. I completely understand it because, as Andy says, no one's going to be surprised if Watford, Watford don't win the game, and certainly no. But the free hit. But I think by the word free hit isn't like it is an actual free hit. I know. But you know, but it's the let's call it freedom. Let's like today wasn't a a, there wasn't any freedom really in 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 having to get a result out of this today, and really after Arsenal it had to be a win today, and there would have been those pressures on it, but there is no pressure on us necessarily at Manchester United that's what I mean by having some freedom of mind and freedom of of playing you've talked about what we expect from this season and moving into next if we can build this season and have a have a a consistent end to the season of consistently picking up points not having a 6-1 against Liverpool not having you know a mill away having that having some real consistency then we can go into next season, you know, if we have a really good end to the season, picking up points left, right and centre, we can go, actually, we do expect more. We've got a squad that can achieve something more than just staying in the division, more than getting Mike's 40 points. Just actually going to these places with, a, with an expectancy and actually achieving as well. I think that is the target. So where we where we don't go in with a, with a sort of small small club mentality, a damage limitation um, exercise away at Old Trafford, it's going to be hugely hugely difficult. But we, these players can do it, you know. Don't want to don't to go too over the top with Nyang. And this guy has played for AC Milan, you know. And Capu on his game, you saw him he tore Arsenal to, to, to shreds. You know these these guys are okay. Perdo went on his game. He's a magnificent defender. Gomez can pull out great saves. Dini's a handful. So what I think we probably. We're not quite there yet, but we can expect a sort of, and I said it before Arsenal, a competitive performance against Man United. I don't think is is out of the out of the question, and I think that's what we should want. At, at this stage, we hope for it. Um, moving forward, we perhaps expect it a bit more. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Thank you very much uh, for listening uh, to the podcast. Uh, thank you for listening every single week. Uh, uh, particularly, thank you for everyone who listened to the um, uh, Thank You Graham podcast that we did, which was just Jason, Mike, and I outside the ground before the before the the, the game, just talking about about it. And we've decided that we are going to do a special podcast. But this isn't about us; it's about you. Uh, and the podcast is going to be called When I Met Graham. It's that simple. And what we want is your stories of when you met Graham. 
Um, it will mean that at certain points before a home game between now and the end of the season, uh, I will be somewhere where you can come and meet me uh, and talk into our special from the Rooker End microphone. Uh, and, and if you can get in touch with us, uh, you can email us podcast at from the um, with your story of when you met Graham. It's stuff like what Jason said in the podcast where he met Graham when he was getting his medal. Uh, after doing a 10k you know it's it, when did you meet Graham because we want to celebrate the man not necessarily the manager um, that's happened and, and, and everything he achieved in his career is, is brilliant uh, and if you look on our, uh, our, our Twitter feed um, did you see the video I shared the other night Mike about the best man's video I shared it yesterday um, it's just amazing what Graham did yeah, that's uh, that's the man. I think there was a great a great quote um, from Sean Dyche in, in the Watford Burnley programme. He said, "Never mind football, um, Graham Taylor is just a fabulous man." And I think that's that's the story, isn't it? And um, I was speaking to Johnny Phillips of, of Sky Sports before before the Burnley game, and he was saying, you know, he was um, surprised, in, not surprised in as much as he didn't think he was a great bloke, but sort of blown away as someone from outside Watford who doesn't have the sort of admiration and experience of Graham Taylor as we do just how much he meant to so many people and just how many lives he touched with just little throwaway things whether it's a letter whether it's remembering someone the name of someone's son whether it's doing a video for a best and he just he's done all this sort of stuff um, throughout his lifetime and you know it's still you know it's still very very difficult it's been an emotional week it's been a rough week with the, with the funeral this week and there's a big gap in in the Watford world but I think, yeah, like you say, our job now is to sort of, um, his legacy will obviously live on in, in concrete and, and grass form here at Vicarage Road in, in, in terms of the football club, but there's so many other stories to be told and what we want to do is give a more rounded appreciation, a more sort of you know, emotional, a bit more sort of a human, tell the human story of, of what Graham's done for so many people. And I, and I think if you haven't met Graham, that doesn't exclude you no. from, from getting in touch. Whatever your story, whatever um, the impact he had, then, then get in touch. We want to hear from everyone because, you know, he... He, he meant so much to everyone and uh, it was great to hear the family say this week how um, how they've taken some solace and have been quite humbled by the, by the way that um, people are coming forward with, with stories so yeah we want to just hear from anyone who's got anything to say really because it's it, it's Watford, isn't it? And it, Graham Taylor is Watford, and and Graham Taylor is part of a part of us. So uh, yeah, let's make that a, great, a good thing and uh, come forward if you've got anything. Yeah, we are a bunch of Watford fans. You are a bunch of Watford fans, um, and we want to hear your story. So if, anything you want, please get in touch. Podcast at fromtherookend.com. We'll organise a, a chance to come and chat to you about when you met Graham. Uh, thank you very much, Andy. No problem. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and thank you to Adam for his time uh, for the interview. Uh, off to Manchester, we go. Come on, you horns!